This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Right to the at right point, Klingberg shoots, blocked, it's out of the zone, it's in the neutral zone, eight seconds left, Buckley Goodrow after it, time ticks down, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup, they have reached the top of the mountain, they are the Stanley Cup champs. Wow. All I can say is, wow, what a job by these guys. Never gets old listening to that, no doubt about it. And the Tampa Bay Lightning keep on winning 5-1-1 one, and one to start the year. 11 points through seven games and tied with Florida for first place in the Discover Central. They've won two in a row after downing the Preds last night 5-2. We will talk about that throughout. A lot of uh, interesting storylines developing and... Here to talk about a little bit more with us, of course, I'm Greg Linelli, along with Dave Mishkin and the TV voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning. We've had him on before, and we always appreciate him stopping by. That would be Dave Randorf. Dave, we um, appreciate you coming on, and it's interesting because you never know with training camp or lack thereof and preseason games and a condensed schedule and breaks in the schedule how a team is going to come out of the gate. But it hasn't been perfect, but so far so good for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I, I would agree. First of all, hello, guys, and thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to be on with you guys. Um, yeah, I think that there was there there was a lot of trepidation for a lot of coaches, regardless of where you sat in the preseason prediction section of the sports uh, pages, because obviously coming in as whether you're this defending Stanley Cup champions like Tampa Bay or whether you're a team that's expected to make a step up uh, in your d- particular division, there was a lot of concern by coaches because this is such a you know a sprint right out of the blocks, and there would be no preseason. No real, uh, you know, exhibition games to speak of, minus a couple of uh, inter-squad games and a very short training camp. So that it was a huge equalizer for everybody in terms of just getting out of the gate cleanly. And with the setup the way it is and the schedule the way it is this year, 56 games, all within one division, every night a four-pointer, every night, it, it now turns out, a lot of games going to overtime, so there's three-point games. You just could not afford to get out of the gate slowly uh, because you, you get into a hole and it just the math just takes over from there and you, it becomes harder to dig yourself out. So the Lightning come out and, and obviously they open up 3-0. They, they get made probably, a, I would say, a bit of a break. They get Chicago right out of the gate and Chicago is a team that is uh, admittedly and openly uh, in a rebuild. And, uh, and they take care of business there. Then they get a, you know, a tight overtime win against Columbus and and everything looks good and so now you got your 3-0 start and, and and you're off and running and then then things get a little tougher you know Columbus pushes back and they face some uh, difficult team in, in Nashville that, that challenges them and but I think overall uh, I feel as though you're starting to really see their game kick in uh, they're 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 ironing out the Kings I think there's one area of concern right now and that is maybe playing with a lead uh, Nashville came back on them a couple of times in the last two games on Saturday and on Monday night. Uh, didn't finish the job, but the, but they certainly got their attention. And uh, but overall, I, I really feel uh, that this this Lightning game is really starting to hit its stride. I think uh, the the schedule settling in and now they're playing regularly is helping, and just a little bit more cohesion because uh, they got the wheels turning again after a, after a pause and, and a quick start to the season. But uh, there's a lot to like uh, overall about this start. Dave, you arrived in town a few days after training camp 
had started. I don't know if you felt maybe a little bit like a player who gets traded at the deadline, <laughs> like you arrive and, and the train has left the station and you got to jump on. How has the acclimation process been for you both professionally and personally in terms of feeling settled here? Uh, personally, it has been tremendous. Um, the organization is first class. I've been around uh, just like you, Dave and, and Greg, you know, I've been around the NHL now for, for many years and, and it's just not the same across the board in terms of the, uh, the, the class and, and, uh, and, and professionalism that every organization operates under. It's, you know, they're all good, but you know, but there are strengths and weaknesses, but this one here in Tampa Bay is absolutely first class. So they, uh, right off the bat, made things uh, very easy for me to move in here because it did take uh, a little while for this all to come together. Uh, New Year's Eve, I have a, a conversation with Bill Wickett, the vice president of communications, and we finalized things. And then I'm on a plane. That was a Saturday and uh, or Friday or Saturday, and I was on a plane the next Wednesday. So you're right. I packed a couple of suitcases full of clothes to get me through this season and, and left. But uh, they made things easy. Everybody from Mr. Vinnick right on down called me or texted me and, and, and welcomed me. And members of the media did so as well. Fans reached out uh, via social media to welcome me to the family. It was it was a very special, you know, seven to ten day period of, of people just saying, "Welcome aboard, or welcome to town." If you need to, any help, you 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 guys yourselves offer that help, and I appreciate all of it. And it's special, and I, I won't forget this uh, this uh, little um, adventure that I've come on because uh, you know you get to this stage in your career and it's 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 invigorating, it's exciting, and it's been special. Uh, in terms of getting my way around the the area, I'm learning. I've got my car. I, t I try to take a drive as much as I can uh, when we have off days to uh, explore the different areas. And uh, so right now I'm settled in a nice apartment, finally got out of a hotel and it's starting to feel like, uh, like home. Uh, professionally, um, it is, it's a bit of an adjustment for me because now I'm covering one team. My job for Sportsnet and prior to that for TSN in Canada was as a, a national, you know, play-by-play -play man where you you fly into a city. I would fly into Tampa Bay, do the game the next day and fly out the next day after that. So you, you, you get a broad uh, look at a lot of teams around the league and you make a lot of contacts and you see a lot of different uh, teams and players and that's exciting in its, in its own way. But this is, this is slightly different. Now you're with one team and I'm, uh, I'm embracing this. I think it's fun. I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to be a part of something. We all started as sports, sports fans. So you, you kind of lose that a little bit as you go through the years. Uh, you just cheer for a good game rather than the result itself. But it's, it's fun to be attached to a team. Uh, obviously the, the, I don't want to call it a challenge, but uh, the respect level I have for the man I'm replacing is is high that's for sure and, and that i should mention rick peckham by the way in terms of people who've reached out and been very helpful and played golf with rick and and spoken to him many many times uh, since i've been here so i know the man i'm replacing too so there's a there's a job uh there's a job to do to settle in to for me to get to know the fans and the fans to get to know me so it helps when you got a a good team like the lightning to call night in night out as i'm sure dave can attest Winning always helps, but I can tell just from my Twitter feed, I know a lot of people uh, enjoy the, the TV call, so I, I think you know, you're settling right in. Dave Randorf joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. You know, Dave, you mentioned something interesting. Now that you are entrenched with the Lightning specifically, has your perception of any of the players changed from what you covered uh, from afar? Um, maybe a little bit in that uh, a couple of things are just better and a couple of guys are just better than I thought they already were. 
you know, when, when you do a national job, I, you know, I watch just like every other guy, you watch one to two games a night, uh, at least, um, you know, an early game, a late game, and maybe, you know, flick around a little bit more to, I always try to watch one game rather than do the, the bounce around, but you watch all the teams. So, and I had done several Tampa Bay games over the years as well. And you watched them a lot because they have been elite for the last several years. So I had a pretty good read on the personnel and the lines and, and all of the players that have that have been here past and present and, and will be in the future. Um, but, I, you know, it's it's a different perspective when you're watching Victor Hedman every night and seeing every shift of his 26 minutes a night that he's now playing. It's different when you see Vasilevsky play every minute, every night, and see all the little saves that don't make it into the highlight pack that are actually key stops to keep it from being a, a one-goal game or a tie game or something like that. Now I've seen enough of Vasilevsky to know that he he was he's very good at those those quiet but excellent saves that that keep his team in position to win the game. But he, you know, when you see a team night in night out, everybody, especially a good team like this, everybody's uh, the perspective on everybody goes up a little bit. So if anything, that's how my perspective has changed. I've just noticed uh, uh, just a little bit more. Um, it, roundness to their game and a little bit more impact level to their game than, than I thought there, that it was already there. I do have another off ice question for you, Dave, because I'm very curious about this. Having worked national broadcasts, you mentioned coming into a city, you're often working with different crews on your, your TV broadcast, even if it's many of the same crews and maybe a different crew night in, night out. Now you're with the same crew, basically, and I'm just wondering, like, is it is there an element of, of like a cookie cutter from from crew to crew? Or do you find that coming here, there's a little bit of an adjustment to get used to? I mean, working with Brian Engblom, of course. I mean, he's he's world class and I'm sure that's been smooth. But stuff that people don't maybe know about or, or can can see or hear how you're interacting with the truck. Like, is that kind of cookie cutter or is it unique to each particular crew and broadcast? I think uh, television crews, in my experience, and I think a lot of guys would, would uh, probably agree to this. You're, you're a lot like teams. You're a lot like the hockey teams. The more you stay together, the more you play on your same line or you have the same power play unit, the same personnel, the better you are, the better in sync you are. So you take out Rick Peckham, and he moves on to the golf course to enjoy his retirement, his well-deserved Hall of Fame uh, career retirement, and you plunk in another guy who just happens to talk the most out of out of everybody. It's it's a major shift for everybody involved, you know, not just me. And I've got to applaud the, the crew. That was one of my biggest concerns. I knew I could come in here and, and, and you know, call games. I've done enough games, and I wasn't necessarily worried about that. I would just come in and be myself and, and do the job that I, that I do. One of my big concerns was fitting in with this crew. I, I, I mentioned we all watch a lot of games, and, and I mean it when I say that this show, this Tampa Bay Lightning show on, on Fox Sports Sun, is easily one of the best regional, regional shows in the NHL. Easily. From its execution, the way it looks, the way it's directed, produced, the way it sounds, uh, all of it. It's right up there in the top three in my mind. And um, Brian has a lot to do with that. Our producer, Rob Aller, and our director, Doug Yalaki, obviously are, are key components of that. So I wanted to just fit in with these guys. And I was really looking forward to that part, too. And uh, because you're right, you, you it's a mishmash of crews when you're bouncing around, particularly me you know, in past years at Hockey Night in Canada, I would work games in the East 
and games in the West. And I was really the only play-by-play guy up there that, that did that. All the other guys had their lanes in different areas of the country. So I all worked, I worked with a lot of great, great guys, but you're, you know, you're switching around a lot and there are different rhythms to each crew. So here I am, I'm coming into this one and these guys are excellent and a well-oiled machine and they've made me feel comfortable. And as I navigated all the different, uh, you know, little subtle aspects of, of the timing of the show and all the sponsor reads you got to get in and around the action itself and the format going up and down out of breaks. It's, it sounds like, uh, you know, insider TV talk, but it, it, it you really wouldn't notice it at home because it's uh, they, they've made it look so smooth over the years, but uh, it's a little bit extra responsibility to just calling the game, but they've made me feel great. They're, they're top notch. These guys, Rob and Doug, and, and you mentioned Brian, Brian Engblom is, is is also one of the top analysts in the NHL. I challenge anybody to, uh, you know, to uh, dispute that. If you watch games in and around the league, uh, he's won Stanley Cups. He's worked national games. He's worked uh, regionally here for many years, and he's he's got a great perspective. And it's not easy to come up with fresh takes and fresh looks and fresh analysis night in, night out for the same team. Yet he does that, and he does it smoothly and professionally. And he's also a top-notch guy on, on top of everything else. So uh, the, the crew is, uh, this one, uh, this is no cookie-cutter crew. This is a, a top-notch crew, and I'm, I'm proud and happy to be a part of it. Dave Randolph joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. You mentioned Brian, and one of the things he talked about before the regular season began was how good Ryan McDonough looked in training camp. And as somebody that maybe wants to join the rush and bring a little bit more offense uh, to that back end, and I've got to think, Dave, for you, you know, Victor Hedman gets all the accolades, which is well-deserved. But it's probably fun watching Ryan McDonough up close, isn't it? Yeah. I, you know, we've all seen Ryan for a lot of years now before he was here in Tampa Bay, obviously, is in uh, in New York with the New York Rangers. But this guy is is really uh, – he, he missed some significant a significant period of time last season. He's come in, uh, much like other guys, uh, that, that rest did him well, and he was able to return to play and then, and then roll into this season. There was one play, Dave helped me out here, where he closed the gap. I think it was a, in, a, in a game against Columbus where somebody was racing away on him. Uh, it might have been Domi, I believe. Uh, and uh, he just, like he was shot out of a cannon. And, and Brian in the booth next to me like went, wow, look at that, like on the air. He <laughs> was caught by surprise about the, the speed, the burst of speed and the back check and the commitment level that, that McDonough is bringing. Uh, all those little plays, all those little details that are that are so smooth. And you're talking about... You know, one guy who plays 26 plus minutes a night and in, in a, in a year in, year out Norris Trophy finalist in Victor Hedman. But but under the radar there is is another guy who would be a, easily a top pairing defenseman on most teams in Ryan McDonough. And uh, it does go uh, a little bit under the radar, uh, certainly not underappreciated by this fan base or certainly this coaching staff. But but Ryan McDonough is is a seasoned vet, knows uh, his game and is still pushing a little bit. I do agree that we are seeing uh, Ryan try to jump up and, and get some shots through to the net and, and contribute a little bit more offensively. We haven't seen it on the score sheet yet. He doesn't have a goal yet, but he certainly is active in getting the pucks through. And, uh, hey, you know what? There's there's nothing wrong with that because when you've got three guys back there, Sergachev being the other who can contribute offensively, that's uh, that's a big that's a big push to have offensively from the backside. When a player scores a goal, everyone sees it and, and notices, and it goes on the stat sheet. But a player like McDonough makes so many little plays that are not always obvious. And you mentioned the one in the Columbus game. How about the play last night during the five-on-three where he's against two 
Nashville players, and he lifts the guy's stick, ends up getting the puck and getting it down the ice, which killed, what, 15, 20 seconds or so of that Mm -hmm. five on three. Mm -hmm. Those are the sorts of plays. There's no stat that reflects that, but a huge play at that point of the game. It's all in the details, isn't it? And and that that's the beauty of, of watching the game closely or being in the uh, the arena. God, we all can't wait until people can be back in the arena uh, to have the atmosphere. But I'm sure fans love who who are now watching on TV or listening to you on the radio, Dave. They uh, they miss that. They miss getting the 360 degree view of everything and all the little details that you might not see uh, on television or here on the radio just because you're not in the building. And and it's all the details. There's it's a 60 minute game for a reason. All these cliches they really aren't. Little shot blocks, key saves at key moments, that stick lift and a five on three and a clearing effort. You know, Yanni Gord makes a bunch of those plays. Barclay Goodrow makes a bunch of those. Detailed plays that never go uh, noticed on a stat sheet. You know, there are more and more analytics all the time, but this team, you don't win a Stanley Cup and you don't become an elite team without paying attention and executing the little things, the finer points and the details. And that's a, a big reason why the Tampa Bay Lightning are 5 1 and 1. Sure, they've got the goalie. Yes, they've got the stud on the blue line and they have a couple of bona fide snipers up front, but they also take care of the smaller little details and, 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 they're able to recognize when they truly need them. So last night it gets to be 4-2 and it's like, oh boy, here we go because Nashville has proven that they can come back on you if you, uh, and there was lots of time left, right, Dave and Greg? There was yeah, plenty of time when Granlin makes it 4-2. Well, Nashville then went over seven minutes without a shot. So this team was able to reel their game in. They got a little, little sleepy with that four-goal lead, obviously, and then it was cut to a two-goal lead. They were able to recognize this and get back to all those little detailed plays that you speak of, Dave, to uh, to ultimately shut them down. You want to have depth up and down the lineup, and that fourth line seems like, well, they went 11-7 and seven yesterday, but uh, it's coming together a bit, and Matthew Joseph seems to be a big reason there. Uh, Dave, sometimes it takes guys you know, a couple of years to figure some things out and find out what exactly their role is, and it, it seems like Joseph is playing with a lot more confidence at least this year to start than he did last year. The word confidence, you know, that that sometimes uh, might be a, overused in the in the eyes of the fans, but it's not. You hear the very, very top players talk about how important confidence is. All the way down the depth chart, confidence is everything. And the game and the schedule is so relentless that if you get into some kind of rut, you're a center iceman who's all of a sudden losing all these face-offs. You're a defenseman who clearly now is just struggling with making the right reads, and then you, you end up minus one, minus two, minus three in a three- or four-game stretch. Confidence goes down, and your performance goes down with it. Uh, Matthew Joseph has got plenty of confidence right now, and, and we're seeing it. I, I love the story. This is a fourth-round draft pick, a guy that uh, was is fought for everything that he has received played uh, junior in a good team in the Quebec League in St. John on a deep team and got noticed there, uh, moved from center to wing and then, and then just rose up the ranks uh, all the way up and got into, went to Memorial Cup with him too. He was a teammate of uh, Thomas Shabbat, who's an excellent player uh, in Ottawa. So he has earned everything and then he gets here. He has that great rookie year where he's in the lineup pretty much every night, 13 goals, and you're thinking, well, here they go. The Lightning have got another, you know, mid to late round pick that uh, everybody passed on and they, they've developed him. And then he takes a step back. 
And that either goes one of two ways, right? A player can go down and accept that he's been sent down for a reason, and he can work on his game. He can utilize all the key minutes that he is going to receive in the American Hockey League because he's a player of interest. Or he can, you know, sulk and mope and, and hang his head and, and not ever get out of that vicious cycle. Well, J- Joseph chose the latter. He goes down there last season, works on his game, gets better. Probably did have about a 10-game period down uh, down in Syracuse where he was feeling a little bit uh, down in the dumps, but then quickly focused on, on getting back to work. Then, to take it one step further, he's invited into the bubble. Doesn't play, but you guys know the story now. He's out there every day on the ice, working, treating it like an extended training camp session. Working with the coaches, working with the scratches, working with the extra players, and, and working in the weight room. Doing all those little things. Use, using all this time in which he's around a team, soaking up the Stanley Cup ride that they are on. And, uh, and and you talk to every player right now, Every it seems like every day on the Zoom calls, uh, one of the questions is to one of the players about, so what do you think about Matthew Joseph when he's done? Steven Stamkos was asked about it last night, and, and you know the captain put it best. We are all super happy for this guy. He has worked hard. He deserves everything. He's competitive. He wants to be here. He wants to be part of this and wants to contribute, and he's doing it. So I think it's a great story. Uh, of course, he's got to keep going. Consistency itself is a skill in the National Hockey League. So he's had some early here. He's played on all kinds of different lines already. And he's been very noticeable pretty much every night. So so good for him. And I hope he keeps it going. Last one from me, Dave. If you look at Saturday's game, Nashville pulled the goalie, scored. Arvidsson scored. Almost tied it. Duchesne hits the post in the closing seconds. The Lightning, you don't often get this. The very next game, you get almost a do-over, and they worked on the six-on-five in practice on Sunday. How impressed were you with how well they handled the six-on-five? I think Ellis had one shot from the point, and that was it. And really, Nashville spent a lot of time just trying to get back in the offensive zone when they had the extra man. How impressed were you with how the Lightning kind of rebounded from that six-on-five situation from Saturday to Monday. I, I, I love the thinking of the coaches here. You know, they all know that every point here is crucial. We've already kind of talked about it this in this conversation. Every point, guys, is, is so important. In an eight-team division, you're playing each other all the time. You, you know, you, you eat your own in this division, and if you get left behind, again, the, the match just takes over. So every coach is thinking of every scenario to make sure that uh, – Another team doesn't get to overtime or that we can at least get to overtime. So John Hines talked about how, yeah, we're working a lot on our six on five here. So we're down a goal. You know, we know we, we you know there's there's one point there that we can maybe potentially get here just by getting it to overtime. So they work on that. Conversely, you you know that the Lightning, a team that probably expects to be in the lead more often than not in the late minutes of a game, is now focusing on working on their six on five against. And I think you may bring up a great observation. They probably did uh, after that uh, after that uh, close call on Saturday night. They probably saw a couple of things in the tape that they needed to address immediately especially when you're talking about a six-on-five with Nashville specifically that has two guys who can get the puck through. Roman Yossi, obviously, and Ryan Ellis, is he's been getting the puck through since he was like 12 years old. Uh, he is, he's got a sneaky, hard, heavy, uh, and accurate shot. Getting the puck through in the NHL these days is a skill in itself, whether it goes in or not. Just getting it through to the net 
and he can do that. So they no doubt recognized all those kinds of things and, and, and made the adjustments. And I don't think, obviously, we didn't get the crazy scrambly finish that we had on a Saturday night because I think, uh, as you point out, John Cooper and his staff made the proper adjustments for that exact situation. And, and that's the game within the game, isn't it? And that's, that's the beauty of, uh, of watching a team night in, night out. And that's also the beauty, I think, of this particular schedule where you're seeing the same opponent on back-to-back yeah. games. What adjustments are made? What went wrong for this team on Saturday? And what adjustments did they make for Monday? It's, it's fascinating and it's fun to watch. And I'm, I'm going to miss this schedule, to tell you the truth, when it goes away next year. Dave, last question for me. What do you make of just the schedule in general and moving forward? Do you see them still being able to get in these 56 games with kind of the rough start a little bit to, you know, delays and and rescheduling? I don't know. You know, I mean, obviously we all hope for the best, but uh, yesterday more news out of New Jersey. They've got a bunch of guys uh, on the COVID uh, protocol list now. They had to postpone a game that was scheduled for tonight and you know, everybody's dealing with it. And, and uh, I, I think we as fans and as media members and as people around the game have to remember that uh, these are these are human beings and, and they've now been, you know, received positive tests for COVID-19. So first and foremost, you got to remember that while it seems as though everybody bounces right back, we, we can't forget that this is a very serious, you know, uh, situation. You hope everybody is okay and does come back and isn't affected, and that they can continue uh, their lives normally, not just as an NHL player. Having said that, you know what? It's, it's just all up in the air, boys. They're, they're taking all the measures they need to and, and trying to limit their contact, with uh, certainly with the public. And, you know, we are going to go through the entire season without speaking to any coach or player on the Lightning in person. It's all Zoom calls. And as it should be, traveling parties are smaller. The, just their, their little groups that they, they move around in when they're on the road. That's all tight. So they're doing everything they can. Uh, but, you know, each week we're reminded that COVID is still in charge here in, in a lot of ways. So uh, I, we certainly all hope that they'll get the, uh, the, the season in. But if there are many more outbreaks and postponements, you've got to think that they may end up doing what they did uh, uh, when they pause the season, just going with a, a points percentage uh, standings and, and ranking the playoffs that way because there there could be possibly be teams that are, you know, five games less than the others. Yep. Just um, try and make next year to as normal as possible by getting through this year. And I think. Oh, man. Michael. You know, I mean, how much do you miss the fans in there, Dave? I mean, you oh. in particular, you've been around here for so long and I couldn't help but think Saturday night was a fun game. It was one of those regular season games against a non-traditional opponent that just turned into a great, great game. There's yeah. lots going on. Uh, there's some pushing, some shoving, some great goals, all that kind of stuff. And I just couldn't help but think, man, this building would be just electric if it was full as it usually is. Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, this this deadline that the Lightning imposed, and it was their choice, too. I mean, they didn't have to to implement the, the no-fan edict, but next week, or I guess the end of this week, is when that date arrives. So it'll be interesting to see if, if they do open it up. But originally, the plan was for, you know, a few thousand fans to be in there, which... That would certainly, I think, add some atmosphere. I'm, we have not yet been involved in a broadcast, even with the Lightning as the road team, in a building with fans. So that is coming up when the Lightning play the Panthers on the road next week because they are having fans in the building. I'll, I'll be curious, Dave, to 
to see if you can feel or hear a difference, you know, as opposed to the the canned stuff that's coming through right now. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I I must admit, once the game starts, I don't know what you think. Once the game starts, I'm kind of locked in on the ice, and 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 they do pipe in some some sound sweetening, as our audio guy calls it. Uh, you know, the fake crowd noise, and they ride that up and down, and so it, it sounds okay in in the headset, and and. Um, you know, as a play-by-play man, you know this, Dave. You you ride the crowd, you ride that the atmosphere of the building, and, and it helps push you through, through you know the ebbs and flows and the highs and lows of the game itself. I I you know whether it's two, three, four thousand fans in the building, uh, you know I'm I'm talking about getting the place full again. You know that's that's what we all can't wait for, and and this has always been one of my favorite places to see a game for that reason. And uh, by the way, did you guys see the the article in the Athletic about the best places to see a game in the NHL? It was put yeah. out yesterday. That's right. We were going to talk about that. What was it, Lightning or fourth? I think on that I list? think it was fourth. Was it fourth? They were they were right up there. They were uh, yeah. there was only one Canadian team. It was Montreal, and I think Vegas was number one. And jeez, uh, oh, but anyway, Tampa Bay was right up there for all the right reasons. And uh, I've always agreed. I've always told everybody, all my buddies in Toronto and Vancouver, that uh, you got to come down here one day. One weekend, it's a great place to see a game. It's almost weird, Dave, to say the first time the Lightning are going to be playing in front of a crowd is for the Florida Panthers. <laughs> hey, wait. With right the issues now, they've one, had. Right now, I know it's early. Right now, look who's on top of the division. I know. We, we were talking about Tampa. them yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to think they've never met in the playoffs, but uh, that would be that's certainly going to be fun when it happens, and you certainly hope that there will be fans in the stands when it does. Dave, as always, great job. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, and we'll have you on down the road here to talk a little more hockey. All right, guys. Uh, Greg, uh, Dave, thank you very much for having me on, and we'll see you guys uh, at the rink. Thanks, you Dave. Got it. All right, that is Dave Randorf here joining us on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. If you want to react to anything we had to say there, you certainly can at Bolts Radio. And, you know, it is interesting, Dave, because uh, not to say that we've gotten used to broadcasting games with no fans, but it... I think we talked about this the other day. I mean, for broadcasters, it's going to be a lot of fun just hearing another person's voice cheering the team. But you've got to think for the players, just a little pick-me-up. Now, I don't know if that means they're going to play better or not, but it's just these are performers, and they're meant to perform in front of people. And it's been odd, you know, the last, you know, X amount of months. We just, we haven't seen that. And Dave makes a good point. Like, there is a difference between 19,000, 20,000 fans and 3,000 fans. So is it almost like instead of a stiff breeze, it's like a little (laughs) tuft of air? I mean, is it almost noticeable that there aren't a lot of fans in the building because they're not capable of making as much noise as a full building, as opposed to when it's empty, you're not expecting that except for the canned stuff. You think we can get Patrick Hornquist on mic and maybe hit and hear him a little more with uh, not as many people in the arena? I'd well, pay for I'll that tell day. you this: we, you were on air, Greg, or at least you had your your headsets on. You might have been doing your pregame show yeah. or getting ready for it, but I did not have my headsets on. I was sitting in in the booth, and we are opposite from the locker rooms, and there were some Nashville players who were warming up. They were warming up in the area that's normally like a lounge, but it's next to where the hallway to the visiting room is. Yeah. And, of course, there's nobody there now. So they were out there doing their stretching and, you know, kicking a ball around a little bit. 
and it was like they were right next to me. I mean, you could hear you could hear them talking and right. reacting and having was fun. I mean, that's how far is that? <laughs> I know from the event level across the ice surface all the way up to the press box, but in an empty building, the sound travels. It's like they're right next to you. Yeah, it's incredible, and. We all can't wait when that happens. I still think my prediction is going to be sometime, you know, after the Super Bowl is played, you know, that maybe there will be some decision on on what's going to happen. Because we're getting a lot of people asking questions about, right? you know, February 5th and, you know, have you guys heard anything? And um, Well, let's let's remind everyone that after February 5th, the Lightning are going on the road. Correct. So the next home game, they're going to have a little time to make that decision is kind of what I'm saying. I, I think that Florida home game got got moved up a day. Am I right about that, Steve? I think it, it got moved from the 16th to the 15th. But still, that's 10 days after this February 5th marker, if you will. So if the Lightning need to take a few more days or even a week – afterward to to make up their mind yeah they've got a home game on the 15th and they go to dallas and carolina and then they're back home again on the 24th right but but what i'm saying is there is a gap between that february 5th date and the next home game 10 days correct well maybe by the end of february we'll have fans in the stands we just don't know but we'll see how it all unfolds he is dave michigan i am greg lanelli along with steve versnick we'll come back and We'll give you our thoughts on what happened last night, who stood out. And again, Tampa Bay going 11-7. and seven. Do you think that's what they should do moving forward? Understanding that a lot of it hinges on maybe the matchup, maybe personnel. But 11-7 and seven has been very successful for John Cooper moving forward. We'll talk about that when we return. Get those questions in at Bolts Radio. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Yeah, we hope your lunch hour is going well. I'm getting hungry. But I can't eat anything until we're done with this show, Dave, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to power through and break it all down here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Thanks to Dave Randorf again. And don't forget, everybody, tomorrow's game is at 530 5.30, which means the festivities will start at 4.30 with Brian Burns and Kaylee Chelios. They have their own show for a half hour. Then I'll lead you in with the pregame starting at 5. Then, of course, Dave and Phil have the game call. And you can listen to it all right here on Lightning Power Play. Locally, we'll be on 95.3 WDAE as well. And that's a good thing. You know, we're on the airwaves there. So uh, just make that adjustment for those of you that are going to listen to the game. And uh, hopefully the Lightning get another win. Uh, Dave, uh, about yesterday, uh, let's maybe start from a macro level. 11-7, and seven, John Cooper decides to go with that lineup. Eric Chernak returns. Alex Volkoff departs. And look, we know there are different circumstances, different reasons why a coach chooses a lineup for that particular night. But what is interesting is that John Cooper, regardless of the matchup, he does feel very comfortable going with that lineup there, and you have to have the personnel to pull it off, which the Lightning do, but you know, this is something that probably shouldn't surprise too many of us. No. I mean, he did it in the playoffs last year, and as we discussed 
yesterday on Power Lunch, before we knew that the Lightning were in fact going to go 11-7, and we talked about how well Luke Shen has been playing, which he has. Cal Foote was coming off his first NHL goal on Saturday. So it's kind of hard to take him out. I mean, you could, but you'd like to reward him for 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 scoring the goal and also playing well. And Jan Ruda had a good game on Saturday. So if Chernak is healthy and ready to come back in, one decision you could make would be to say, well, I'm not going to take out a defenseman from Saturday's lineup, and I'm just going to go 11-7. and seven. Some of it is matchup-related. But I don't know if this is going to continue long-term, short-term. I mean, it may be a situation where if the forward sitting is Alex Volkov, they want to get Volkov back in. Maybe one of these aforementioned defensemen have a game in which they take a step back or the team doesn't play well collectively and the coaching staff decides that just a shakeup is in order. So a lot of things can happen. But what we know from, from John Cooper's coaching career because it's not like the bubble last summer was the first time he had used seven defensemen. He's done it before. He did it in the playoffs. He did it last night. He's not afraid to go to it. But he's also not afraid to go away from it, as he did in the Stanley Cup Final. For much of the Stanley Cup Final, the Lightning went with 12-6, and because that was a matchup that they felt was, was a lineup that was better suited toward the Dallas matchup than earlier in the playoffs. What's interesting, too, is all of those guys on the back end are are playing pretty well. And, you know, there was some talk maybe coming into the season because of some losses on the back end, Dave, that that was the unit that, you know, after the, the sixth or seventh defenseman, you're not sure what you had. But, you know, at least they're seven, seven strong. And... Luke Shen deserves a lot of credit for that. I know you've been very impressed with his play. I think Jan Ruta is starting to maybe get back to where he was before. And, of course, you have some youngsters who have been in the league now for a couple of years in Chernak and Sergachev who are going to continue to get better with more minutes. And I think it doesn't hurt. I don't want to overstate it how well Hedman and McDonough are playing. You know, David, it's true. I think in any sport, your best players do have to be your best players especially in key moments. And we saw that certainly in the Stanley Cup Finals with Braden Point and how good he was. But Victor Hedman also was dynamic. And Ryan McDonough is adding another layer to that, another level that he didn't get to last year for whatever reason. And those are things you can't really account for going into a particular season. Yeah, you want guys to improve, but especially with veteran players, you just don't see it all the time. And I think this... These abilities that McDonough is showing have always been there, probably more so with the Rangers in terms of jumping up on the play and and trying to contribute a little bit offensively. But we're seeing that more now than I think at any point since he's been a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it really has made that back end pretty dynamic. But all seven of those guys, I think, have contributed mightily. Yeah, I'm looking at the stat sheet, Greg. McDonough led all Lightning players with six shots on goal yesterday which I remember he had that one in the first period late on a power play chance the Lightning had. And Dave Randorf touched on this briefly, but I'd like to circle back to it, and that is the Lightning's third period performance after the Predators made it 4-2. The last 14 minutes of that game, they absolutely suffocated Nashville with long offensive zone shifts. And I remember on, on some of those, McDonough was firing away 
from the point. Some of his attempts were tipped wide or, or missed the net, but some of them were on net too. So I think that's how he got to that that total of six. But he obviously feels that he can jump in the play. The way the Lightning structure their offense and their their five-man unit, they want their defensemen to be active. And McDonough is certainly a, a strong enough skater, as, as Dave Randolph was talking about, like, like a locomotive train, you know, or shot out of a cannon or whatever, you know, he can, he can really turn on the jets. And if he's up in the play, he can get back defensively similar to a Victor Hedman. So that is a very good sign for McDonough. And, and I kind of agree with what Dave was saying, which is that if he keeps it up, eventually the points are going to start to, to be piled up by him on the score sheet. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Lanelli. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. And, you know, once again, uh, Tyler Johnson, Dave, makes a play and uh, picks up an assist on the Gord goal. That was really good to see. We saw Matthew Joseph make a play uh, back to Braden Point, who even admitted maybe he wasn't necessarily thinking Joseph was going to get that puck back to him with 0.4 seconds remaining in the first where the Lightning got up 3 nothing. But you had a lot of contributions uh, throughout that lineup last night against Nashville. And I got to tell you, Nashville, outside of a, a few moments where they did push, particularly early in the game, yes, where I thought Vasilevsky had to be solid, they just they looked like they didn't have an answer, that they were chasing the Lightning the whole time. And you felt like the Lightning were just skating around and using their speed. And it, it felt like that game for Nashville was very tough to be in because of what Tampa Bay was able to do dictating play. It was a very interesting game because when I when I wrote my extra shift recap, which you can read on TampaBayLightning.com, by the way, after each and every Lightning game, I kind of was reminded of the first two games against Chicago. And I didn't actually put this in the column, but but I think the the comparison holds that the first two games against Chicago were similar, but also slightly different. And these two games against Nashville were similar, but also slightly different. Similar in that the Lightning scored goals in bunches, and on the strength of that, took a lead into the third period, and Nashville cut into that lead to make a game that was fairly comfortably in the Lightning's corner, a little less comfortable, right? Like, those are those are true facts, and we can say that about both games. But what was different? On Saturday, the Lightning started really well. Remember, they, they had the first eight shots in the game. Rene had to make a couple of really tough saves to keep the game scoreless. And then Nashville pushed back in the second half of the first period and got the power play goal from Ryan Ellis. And it was in the second period that the Lightning erupted for the four goals. And then in the third period, the Lightning did generate a lot of chances. And I think we we touched on this yesterday. I didn't feel that Nashville dominated the third period on Saturday. But they did push, and they turned a 4-1 game into 4-3 and very nearly tied it at the end. What happened last night? Nashville came out of the gates really well. As you might expect, they lost the first game in the two-game set. And we have seen this over and over and over again this year in these two-game series. The team that loses the first game 
comes out and plays a hungry game in the second game, and at, at the very least they come out hungry, and Nashville did. So what happened? The Lightning scored the first goal. <laughs> I thought that Palat goal completely changed the complexion of the game. And the Lightning, as they have done in every home game this year, they've scored at least three goals in a period in every home game that they've had this year of the four. And they have been capable of scoring goals in bunches, Greg. The three goals they scored in the first period last night were all off the rush. Nashville's a really good defensive team, and they've got two, three, I would say, elite defensemen, if you are going to include Ekholm in there, which I will, Ellis and Yossi. Who were the two defensemen out on the ice on the plot goal? Ellis and Yossi. And the Lightning broke them down and scored on a two-on-one. They scored off the rush, the Johnson play that you were alluding to, beautiful passing sequence, Sorelli to Johnson to Gord. That was right at the tail end of a power play. The penalty had ended, but it was still kind of a five on four. And then the one at the end of the period, I mean, that is a backbreaker to allow. And and on the ice for Nashville where they're, they're five, six defensemen, it was Tenority and Benning, and both of them made mistakes. I think Brian broke that down with you on the last call. Tenorti went for a big hit on Maroon and took himself out of the play, and then Benning muffed the puck, so it turned into a 2-on-0. Like, that's tough to come back from. So when you say Nashville looked like they were they were a little discombobulated, like, that's a, that's a gut punch right there. After you get off to a good start, and you're like, all right, we've had a good opening 10 minutes, the period ends, and it's 3-0. And you gave up a goal with four-tenths of a second left. So... I think that factored in. I didn't mind Nashville's second period, actually. The second half of that period, they had the five on three from, from the Nashville perspective. I thought they they did create some pressure. They had more zone time. But their third period comeback was very different on Monday. They basically had two entries in the first six minutes and scored on both. But <laughs> they really didn't have much going the whole period. And Frankly, I thought the Lightning dominated the third period. They really did. Both on the six on five, and we talked about that with Dave. But also, after the Predators made it 4-2, the Lightning essentially had the puck the rest of the period. And they had some chances. They had some shots. Soros was good. But more important than that, to me, Greg, was that the Lightning did not allow Nashville to build any kind of momentum in that third period. So I thought that was an impressive closeout sequence for the Lightning to cap off the two-game sweep. But they were helped greatly, one of the keys to me, that first goal. Because that changed the complexion of how the game had started, where Nashville had some jump, and then all of a sudden momentum shifted. And by the time the period ended, it was 3-0. Yeah, and I think I think I touched on it. I thought Vassie was really good early on. And yes. I think that that's part of the whole equation. You know, he makes a couple of saves on Arvidsson and Duchesne, and those are two of their best players, Dave. And they had opportunities to score, albeit early. And, you know, the Lightning, it, it doesn't take a ton of shots for them to score goals. And I, I want to give some credit to Andre Pilat as well, Dave. You know, he scores a goal last night, and the, the play-by-play call was very funny because Phil you know, wanted Stammer to shoot and <laughs> yeah. it didn't happen, but Palat was right there in position to make a play. And, you know, Brian Engblom and I talked about this on, this is a while ago, and, you know, we were interested with Kucherov being out 
you know, which player's production would dip the most? And, you know, Pilat, I think, was somebody that you could have looked at and said, okay, I mean, in many ways, he needs other guys to, to create a little bit more for him and that maybe he is the guy who his production starts to fall a little bit. But you know what, Dave? I mean, he's been really solid. And I don't care if his goals are tap-ins or if his goals are of the highlight reel. You need to put yourself in a position to score those goals. And he's doing it. And I don't think anybody has to apologize for scoring goals in the National Hockey League, regardless of the circumstance. It's good to see Pilat continue his production, even with a guy like Kucherov out, because I think it's allowed them to really not miss a beat on that first line. And it's hard to get a read on where teams are in what is still the early days of the regular season. I think I think teams are settling in, and, and Dave Randorf mentioned that, that you could kind of see the lightning are settling into their game. But like Phil on the broadcast last night noted, there were several passes that were just off. Like they weren't passes that led to turnovers, but instead of on the guy's stick, maybe slightly behind. And these are passes that are the passes that would lead to a grade A scoring chance. Like the Lightning have connected A to B, B to C, C to D. And now you just have to make that one more play and a guy is going to be walking down Broadway with a glorious chance, and that pass might just be a little bit off. And he feels that that's going to come as the Lightning start playing more games. So when you think about that, you're like, man, the Lightning are still scoring a lot of goals, and they're still making plays, which is really impressive. But it's almost like they, they could have had more chances last night if not for some passes that maybe they were just a little bit out of sync. Or maybe those plays are not going to be available as the opposition starts to get settled into its structure. And they're not they're not going to even make those plays available to be made. I guess we're going to have to wait and see how it unfolds. But the Lightning caught a break on the two-on-one. You are right. <laughs> Phil was exasperated that Stamkos didn't shoot. He was in his one of his spots. It wasn't the power play spot, but he was on the right side. I mean, he scored from that spot on opening night against Chicago. Instead, he tried to go across to Pilat, and Yossi blocked it, but then it was like a scramble play, and Ellis came back and nudged his goalie. And It was almost like you're running a race, and in the last little home stretch, your shoe comes off, and you have to like hop across the finish line, and you get there, and you still win the race, that's kind of what it was like. Like, it wasn't the, the prettiest play in the world, but the Lightning got the job done as Palat stayed with it. And I think in, in Phil's mind, he always selects shoot rather than pass as the first option, which didn't happen. But the two-on-one was still there to be made, and the Lightning were very dangerous last night off the rush against, again, at the risk of repeating myself, a team that is normally very tight defensively. The yeah. National Predators. Well, that, and that's I think what the Lightning can do to teams. It I think it also speaks to their back end and how how much better they've been getting that puck up. And maybe that again, the Ryan McDonough effect. I mean, I feel like his skating has been really good. It feels like he is. I mean, he's getting chances offensively. As Brian was saying last night, he could have a couple goals 
this year. I mean, yeah. you don't expect that from him. But I do think there's more of a point, Dave, to get these guys involved. And they can skate. And I think that's something also that is uh, helping them join the rush and put a little bit more pressure on teams like Nashville, who are good defensively. But maybe they're having some problems because, one, it's early in the season. They're still trying to figure it out. But, two, you know, the Lightning, again, getting better with guys that maybe you didn't anticipate getting better in terms of where they are age-wise. And I, I just, again, I you know we've, we've talked about uh, McDonough, but I think the back end in general uh, is trying to push play a bit more here, and it's it's generated some pretty good scoring opportunities. And it really hasn't cost them, Dave, more importantly, odd man chances back going the other right. way where Vasilevsky at times over the course of his career we have seen where he's just had to be really really good and I will say this about the lineup last night because I think people listen to the show they want analysis I think they want honest opinions I think that was the right call to bench Alex Volkov and when I say bench take him out of the lineup I understand why they kept Seven defensemen. It's it was a tough call. I mean, you're gonna really take out Cal Foot after he scored his first goal. Luke Shen, Dave, you've you've pointed out has been very solid. Plus, you're you're playing Nashville again, and you didn't know if things were gonna get a little chippy. He's always a nice guy to have back there, just in case. So I understand all that. And of course, Chernak, you want him back in the lineup because he's a he's a top six defenseman for you. But if we're just talking about production, and this kind of goes back to the Volkov situation, the talents there. We just haven't seen enough of it. And if you're giving yourself an honest evaluation of this team and who comes out and who doesn't, I have no doubt Volkov will be back in the lineup at some point for sure. It's usually how it goes. These things, you know, they go up and down with players playing well and and you have to make adjustments accordingly. But right now, if they, let's put it this way, if they stay 11-7 and for the next few games, assuming it works, I'm not sure many people are going to disagree with that decision, Dave. Well, it was the right decision last night. I think if you were to look at how well Ruda, Shen, and Foot played on Saturday, you don't want to take one of those guys out. So they went with 11-7. and seven. Now you have a new team coming in, Detroit, and you mentioned, and I'll mention it again because Steve urged us to talk about it as much as possible, 5.30 face-off tomorrow, Lightning and Red Wings. Different team, maybe they will opt to go with a different lineup. We'll have to wait and see, but yeah. as as we have talked about, the Lightning are very comfortable going with 11-7, and seven. and I don't know if every team in the league can say the same. And the Lightning players are used to it. They, they know how to manage that, including the seven defensemen. I mean, Cal Foote is new to this, to this setup, but, you know, he played nine minutes and 45 seconds yesterday, so... Even even if there are six defensemen, Foot I think understands that in his rookie year he's going to play less than many of the other defensemen in the lineup. So this probably isn't a huge departure for him, where he may be getting a different partner each time he's out on the ice. The other six that were in the lineup last night are very familiar with this this lineup configuration and are very comfortable going with a lineup that has seven defensemen, which the challenge for the defense, if you were to say, what's the challenge for the defense? What's the challenge for the forwards? Really, the challenge for the defense is you may have a different partner, if not every time out, often. You may may be working with a variety of different partners because the coach working the D 
that coach wants to make sure that everybody is getting out on the ice somewhat regularly. For the forwards, that line with two forwards, like those two are going to be playing with a third guy, a different third guy each time they, they step out. So the third guy has to be ready <laughs> to, to play some extra minutes, which usually isn't an issue. But you also, you know, are, are talking about potentially messing with chemistry and, and forcing three guys who may not be completely in sync to, to take some shifts together. And so that's the risk. But, you know, the Lightning don't seem to have any problems <laughs> doing it this way. And, and you think of the different guys that play with Joseph and Maroon – they all seem to fit in, whether it was Sorelli or Johnson or Kalorn or Braden Point, who was out with those guys at the end of the first period, it's and exactly they scored it. that buzzer-beating goal. Yeah, it's exactly it. I, it's This is the beauty. You know, I never was a huge fan of 11-7 and 7 because I felt like, all right, they've got 12 forwards. I feel like their forwards are more deep than their back end. I, I'd rather have their forwards out there uh, on a regular basis than have the extra D-man. But you know what, Dave? There's always something to be said for if that means Braden Points gets an extra few shifts or Stammer gets a few shifts or Kucherov gets an extra few shifts, I'm okay with that too. Or or even, to your point, Sorelli or Johnson, depending on how well those guys are playing. Because you know what that does? That makes the fourth line more dangerous offensively. And not that you're looking for all type of offense from your fourth line. But look, there was a reason why it, it, it you know it, at times it can be stagnant there. You need... Um, a little bit of a difference maker on the fourth line, if you can. And while Joseph Speed shows up, Maroon's guy is going to go to the net. Just a different look playing with Braden Point here and there, or even a Stamkos or somebody else, makes that fourth line a bit dangerous. Yeah, it does. And it can create matchup problems for the opposition, too. They may say, all right, Yossi and Ellis, you guys are out every time Point's line is out there. As much as they can as the road team. Well, what happened at the end of the first period? Right. They didn't have Yossi and, and Ellis out there. They had Benning and Tenorti, and it wasn't just Braden Point, but those two defensemen had some errors that created the 2 on o, which really, I mean, that's unforgivable. It is unforgivable when you have an offensive zone faceoff. I can't remember if it was a faceoff, but the puck for sure was in the Lightning's end. With 10 seconds left in the period. Yeah. All Sergachev wants to do is just get it out of trouble. And instead, it turns into a two-on-o and you give up a buzzer-beating goal. So that is something the Predators have to have to deal with. But Point was in the middle of it. And the reason why Point was in the middle of it was he was out there with Joseph and Maroon to take that last shift of the first period. No doubt. And as a result, they scored a goal, and the rest is history. All right, that's going to wrap up our show today. Hope you enjoyed it. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. If we didn't get to your questions today, we'll get to them certainly tomorrow. 5.30 puck drop, which means pregames at 5 o'clock. Kaylee Chelios and Brian Burns, they'll have their show at 4.30. So, again, everybody has you covered. We'll be on the airwaves still from noon to 1, and we'll be breaking down the Red Wings a little bit and anything else that we deem acceptable that's right Dave yes. Michigan you there. have to deem it acceptable i have to deem right. it acceptable <laughs> all right Dave, you're great the job judge jury and final listen i can't do that at home so i have to do it on the show I have, to, I, I have to do it somewhere <laughs> yes <laughs> all right he's dave michigan i'm greg Leno. thanks to steve versnick thanks to dave randorf and thanks to you for listening we'll be with you again tomorrow noon to one on lightning power play